But today is Super Bowl Sunday. And many of you have, uh, you know, I've saw you wore some of the some of the the jerseys and all of that, and I couldn't find my jersey this this morning, so I don't know if I outgrew it or it outgrew me. I don't know. We're not. We won't go there. But anyway, uh, you know, some of you is for the for the Patriots, and some of you is for the Seahawks. Now I just gotta. I'm just curious. I know one person's for the Patriots because I saw an emblem. This drummer back here a while ago, he had a Patriots thing on his on his shirt. I don't know if he he he, he thought anybody else was going to see that, but I recognize that this morning. But how many wants the Patriots to win today? Let me just see your hand real quick. How many of you want the the uh, Seahawks to win? How many? <laughs> how many of you don't? care who wins (laughs) got more of you lift your hand up in there how many of you are tired of the of the uh the controversy with the patriots about the football being deflated yeah me too i was tired about that about the first five minutes it came on well you know the question this is and this is the title of my message today are you ready are you ready for the game? Are you ready for the big game this afternoon? Are you ready? I mean, are you really ready just to, to, for what's fixing to take place? Now, I've got a couple of little, little footballs here, and, and they're, not, they're not average size. I mean, they're not the regular size. But I've wrote a little question on these footballs. Are you ready? Now, I deflated them just a little bit. <laughs> to make it easy, to make it easy. Now, now to make it easy for somebody to catch. Um, <laughs> Some of y'all will get that later on this afternoon. And so I wanted, I wanted to try my, my hand at throwing this football. Now, I don't know if I'm going to try upstairs or not. I'm, I'm just not sure. I got a hand up there. I don't know if I could get it up. I don't know if my arm is strong enough to get it up there. But I just want to make a, I just want to make a pass and see if, you, if you're good enough. If you're good enough to catch it as I am good enough to throw it. I'm going to start over here on this side. And I don't want to hit nobody in the head. So, so anyway, just get ready. I'm, now, I'm not promising where it's going to go. You just get ready. Don't hurt yourself and don't go up in the sideline somewhere. Don't go on top of somebody and please don't pull somebody, you know, well, just never mind. But anyway, here it goes. Oh, wow. I may could have got it upstairs. All right, we got somebody. All right, now we're going to try over here because I don't figure nobody in these two sections can catch because you're, you're a little older and all this kind of stuff. Oh, I'm just, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Maybe I need to deflate it a little more, and that way it'd be a little <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just kidding. All right. All right, let's, let's just go here. I'm, I'm just going to somewhere right out in this. And a matter of fact, let me just close my eyes, and I'll just, I'll just turn around. How many, remembers, how many remembers one year we'd done this, and I fell over the, the monitor? I, I knew somebody was going to say that. Is this we go? All right, here we go. Nobody caught the football. Even the Patriots guy didn't catch it. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> Are you ready? Are you ready? Let me give you a little, little some definitions here right before my message real quick. My definitions concerning Christian football. Christian, everybody say Christian. Christian. Christian football. You may have heard this already, but if you haven't, here we go. Now everybody knows what a quarterback sneak is, right, in Christian football, right? That's where church members quietly leave during the invitation. How many knows what a draw play is in Christian football? Draw play is what many children do on the bulletin during the worship service. Draw play. How many knows what halftime is in Christian football? That's the period between Sunday school and worship when many folks leave instead of coming to church. <laughs> it don't get any better. Bench warmers. It's those who don't sing, don't pray, don't work, and apparently don't do anything but just sit. Bench warmers. How many knows what a backfield in motion is? That's making a trip to the back 
whether it's the restroom or the water fountain during the service. Somebody just left. (laughs) Staying in the pocket. That means what happens to a lot of money that should be going to the Lord's work. Staying in the pocket. Two weeks, they'll give that up. All right. Two-minute warning. We all know what a two-minute warning. That's the point at which you realize the sermon is almost over. And you begin to gather up your children and put on your coats and all those kind of things, and you miss the whole altar call whatsoever. You have an instant replay. That's the time that the preacher loses his notes right before church, and he falls back on last week's notes and preaches the message. <laughs> the sudden death. We all know what sudden death is. That's what happens to the attention span if the, con- if, if the preacher goes into overtime. All right, sudden death. A trap. We know what the trap is. That's when you're called on to pray. And you're asleep and you're not paying attention. The end run in the game, the end run, that's getting out of church quick without speaking to anybody, just being the first one at the restaurant. And there's, there's a thing called a flex defense. That's the ability to, to, to allow absolutely nothing that is said during the worship service to affect your life whatsoever. And then there's a halfback option. That's the decision of 50% of the congregation not to return to the evening service. Hmm. And then the last thing is this, the blitz. Everybody knows what a blitz, a good blitz, I mean, is, is powerful. That's, that is the rush to the restaurants at the end of the closing prayer. So, so this morning you have been to the Super Bowl already from a Christian standpoint, the Christian Super Bowl and all of that. If you've got your Bibles, turn me to Hebrews chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and look at verse number 1, and while you're turning there, turn to somebody one more time and say, are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 12, a very familiar scripture that we're going to use this morning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1, the Bible says this, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him, and he endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Are you ready? Are you ready for some football? I mean, the day is finally here, Super Bowl. The New England Patriots, the Seattle Seahawks, for the final game of this season. I mean, when you think about it, it's been, you know, it's a season that's been up and down for both teams with many different things, many different controversies. Matter of fact, one team will go into the Super Bowl with a controversy. All of that, they each have their struggles, they, they each have their successes, all of those things. And now, but now these two teams are in the big game. One of them will walk away with the trophy. One of them will be able to walk away and say, hey, we are the best team in the world. One of them will be able to hold that trophy. Whoever wins it will be happy. The other will be sad, of course. I've seen, and you have too, on television, big 300 and 350-pound guys. I mean, cry because they've won that trophy and and they've conquered that. But on the other hand, I've seen those same 300 and 350-plus guys, big old guys, just big tears coming down their eyes because, Brother Sam, they lost the game. They've lost the game, all of those kind of things. And we, we, we saw those things. 
And so at that, at that point now, don't get me wrong, the money that they get and all that is, is big time. But at that point of being in this game, the money means nothing at that point. They just want the, be, have the opportunity to hold that trophy. They want the opportunity to say, hey, we're the best of the best of the best in the world here. I mean, when you think about football, I could call a lot of great names off that, that has never won a Super Bowl, but yet they're in the Hall of Fame. They're good players. They're good coaches. They do great things, and, and they've done some awesome some runs and all of that, but they've never won the Super Bowl. And as I was thinking this past week concerning the Super Bowl, I couldn't help but think about the similarities many times concerning our spiritual walk with the Super Bowl. Let me take a few minutes this morning and let's just talk about that. The Bible says here in Hebrews chapter 12, it just come out of Hebrews chapter 11, which is the, the faith chapter as we know it, but he, Hebrews chapter 12 talks about that there's a great cloud of witnesses, a great cloud of witnesses that is watching. Our scripture says we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses. Everyone is going to be watching the game today. Matter of fact, they say, Brother Reigns, that this game this afternoon will be one of the greatest opportunities for people, millions and millions and millions of people, to tune in and watch. This is one of the, the biggest uh, highlights, I guess, of the year, and they'll be watching. Super Bowl ads will, will cost in excess from 2 to 4 to $5 million, a 30-second spot, in order to get your ad on that Super Bowl. And all of these things. It's, a, it's an American event. It's the most watched event of the year. TV, radio, all kind of media, languages, all of those kind of things will be showing. I mean, when you have billions of eyes on the, on, that's fixated on this game, on that little, little, little leather ball that's going up and down the field. More snack food, they say, will be sold and all of that. More drinks and all those kind of things. But the Bible here says we are surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses as well. You and I today that's sitting here in this Super Bowl arena, if you will, called church. We're surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses that's watching us. Do you understand this morning, church, that you're not on your own? Do you understand every decision that you make today? You're not making those decisions on your own. It affects others around you. In our scriptures today, we're reminded that there's a great cloud of witnesses that's around us. There's a crowd of people who have gone on before. I don't know about you, but I sort of think they're watching us today. I, I sort of think they're, and, and there may not be, but I just sort of think they're just, they're just watching us, Brother Reigns, and just cheering us on a little bit. I just sort of think that, that, that loved ones, husbands and wives and grandparents and children, and those friends that has gone on before us, they're a great cloud of witnesses. Those, those, those old prophets of old and those men and women of old, they're, they're up in heaven and they're cheering us on that we can make it, we can make it. And we're surrounded by, by a great cloud of witnesses. Matter of fact, you can go to Luke chapter 15 and you'll see, you'll see in verse 8 where it says, uh, a very familiar scripture where Jesus says, Suppose a woman that has ten silver coins loses one. Doesn't she light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she'll call her friends, she'll call her neighbors together, say, I want you to rejoice with me because I have found my lost coin. In the same way the scripture says, I tell you, there is rejoicing in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. Matter of fact, Jessica, I just told you that just a while ago in this altar. I just shared with her. I want you to understand that just because of what you've done in, in just these few seconds, angels are rejoicing and, 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 and angels are singing praise because of one sinner that repents. 
repents. I mean, can you think about that? Can you imagine that? The angels rejoiced in heaven when you and I repented and we came to the Lord. Angels and maybe the citizens of heaven, they, they wildly celebrated today when you and I prayed our sinner's prayer and give our heart to the Lord. You see, our life may begin with, with some type of celebration. You know what I'm talking about. Parents, they'll send out cards and they'll, they'll pass out all kinds of things and candy and all this and confetti and they'll throw a big party when that child is born. But can I tell you this morning, church, there is nothing like the celebration when somebody gives their heart before the Lord. There is nothing like a celebration that you and I need to give when somebody gives their heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. Why, Pastor? Because that's why Jesus came. That's why he shed his blood. That's why he hung on the cross. That's why he done everything that he needed to do for you and me that we could give our heart to the Lord Jesus Christ. And we need to celebrate that today. Amen? Hallelujah. Heaven rejoices. <laughs> but it also says in Isaiah 51, there's a bigger celebration promised in our future. Isaiah says, those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter Zion with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. I don't know about you, but I get tired of being sorrowful. I don't know about you, but I get tired of sighing. I get tired of, of feeling bad. And I, I enjoy the joy part of it. I enjoy the joy of the journey. I enjoy the happiness of the journey. Matter of fact, it goes on in Isaiah 65. And it says, I want, to, I want you to see that I will create new heavens and a new earth. The former things will not be remembered, nor they will they come to mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in what I will create. For I will create Jerusalem to be a delight and its people a joy. Hallelujah. Matter of fact, if you go back in Isaiah chapter 11, you'll see that the wolf will live with the lamb. The leopard will lie down with the goat. The calf and the lion and the, and the yearling together. A little child will lead them. The cow will feed with the bear. The young will lie down together. And the lion will eat straw like the ox. The infant, the Bible says, will play near the cobra's den. And the young child will put its hands into the viper's nest. Ne they will neither harm nor destroy on all my holy mountain, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the Lord and the waters that cover the sea. Can I tell you, it's going to be a glad reunion day when you and I get to stand before the Lord Jesus Christ and He welcomes us in to that place that He's prepared for us. All the sorrow that we've had to go through down here on this life will all be over. All the tears that we've had to cry and shed on this life will all be over someday. And I believe it's going to be very soon. The Lord is going to, is going to call us home. He's going to call the church home and we will forevermore be around the throne room of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll be forevermore around his throne. We'll be forevermore living with him. We'll be able to sup with him each and every day. I don't know about you but if you ain't looking forward to the Lord's coming you better get to looking forward to the Lord's coming because he is soon to come today. Amen. Matter of fact in Revelation chapter 21 in the New Testament the Bible says then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth hath passed away, and there is no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And he dwelt with them. They will be his people. And God himself will be them and will be their God. He'll wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death. 
There'll be no more mourning. There'll be no more crying. There'll be no more pain. For the former things have passed away. Can I ask you one more time? Are you ready today? Are you ready to meet the Savior? Are you ready to see Him face to face? Are you ready to hear the trumpet sound? Are you ready to move from where you're living today to that place that He's prepared for you that He's given you this morning? Hallelujah! Hallelujah. Now, I'm sure it would be wonderful to win something like the Super Bowl. Oh, I'm telling you, you get so excited. Man, you crossing those lines, and especially if you're playing in the game, and especially if you're one of those ones that gets to carry that football, and you get to cross over in that touchdown zone, and all the crowd and those millions of people just start hooping and hollering. And I'm sure you've listened and and you've watched just like I have those big, big strong guys yearning for that prize. I mean, working for that prize. Sweating for that prize. It's important to have a goal in life. But not only is it important to have a goal in life, it's important to realize our goal for eternity. Amen. More important than what we're going to do this afternoon. More important than watching the game this afternoon. What's important is your goal for eternity because eternity is out there somewhere. It's out there somewhere. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Because whether you like it or not, the ball is going to be given to you. You've got to make a decision what to do with that ball. You've got to make a decision what to do with when Jesus offers you, look, you can either accept me or reject me. You can either run the right way or run the opposite way. You can choose if you want to. And it would be wonderful to win something like that. It would be, be wonderful to stand on that top podium of, of, of the Olympics even and win that gold medal and they, as they put it around your neck. 1 Corinthians 9.25 says everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it in order to get a crown that will not last. But we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Are you ready? Are you ready? I'll tell you something this morning, church, the Super Bowl, the World Series, the, the World Cup, Olympics, and all these other great events, all combined will never compare to winning the prize of heaven. It'll never compare to winning the prize of heaven. Matter of fact, Romans eight eighteen says, I consider that our present suffering are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed to us when we get there. Amen. You may be going through some stuff right now, but it ain't nothing compared to what God is going to give you when you get there. 2 Corinthians 4, 17, For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. Amen. 1 Peter 5 and 4, And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive a crown of glory that will what? That will never Fade away. Hallelujah. I've got stuff in my house that has lost the color. I've got stuff in my house that has lost the, the vitality. I've got, I've even got, or I, I shouldn't say I got it. Karen's got some stuff that, uh, that I bought her and uh, that, that wasn't real. <laughs> but it was nice. Real nice. But it's lost the color a little bit. It's lost that gold color or that, or that silver color that it used to have. Matter of fact, there may have been even some diamonds in there that's fell out. That's what they said it was. But they could have fell out. You know what I'm talking about. So 
we've got some of those possessions and some of those rewards and some of those things that, that will lose the vitality, that will lose their color. But can I tell you, when the she, chief shepherd appears, the Bible says you'll receive a crown. You'll receive a crown of glory that will never fade away. Hallelujah. There won't be no diamonds fall out of it. It won't lose its vitality. It won't lose its luster. It won't lose its shine. Hallelujah. What Jesus Christ gives will never fade away that he gives you. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise his name. Have you ever seen these men, as we were talking about a while ago, have you ever seen these guys, I mean, working and yearning and just putting their shoulders to it to win the Super Bowl? We'll, we'll see some of that. We need to fix our minds on the wonderful moment. And I've thought about that, and I'm sure you have too. Many times I've thought about when I step across that into glory land. What's my eyes going to be on? What, what am I going to feel? What's going to be going on? And, and I, we, we, on this life, we need to fix our minds on the wonderful moment that we step into the joy of heaven. It'll make what we have to go through a lot easier. I want to tell you something. It's not easy to make it to the Super Bowl. It's not easy to win those games. Teams have struggled. Patriots worked hard. Seahawks has worked hard. They didn't let their failures or the controversy detour them. They, they didn't let their defeats keep them down. They, they persevered in spite of all the setbacks maybe that they've had. And that is what we have to do if we hope to win the prize of this scripture, what the scripture says for this high calling in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have to be determined. As a matter of fact, Paul gives us something, uh, something sort of to look at in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, do you not know that, that in a race all the runners run? Now let me stop right here and let, you, let, let me remind you of something. From, from this side of the congregation in the balcony all the way to the other side, you're in a race today. You're running today. You're running today. Do you not know that the prize, for the, that they run for the prize? But only one gets the prize. Run in such a way as to get the prize. That's, that's if you're competing here. But everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, Paul says. But you and I... You and I, it's just not going to be one of us crossing that line. It's just not going to be me or it's just not going to be you crossing that line. Every one of us is going to cross the line at the same time. Well, Pastor, I've not been saved as long as you have. It doesn't matter. You're going to finish the same time I am. Amen. Well, Pastor, I, 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 I've been in this way a long time, and I know that God is going to let me cross that line. I will think what you want to, but I'm going to be right there shoulder to shoulder with you. Are you hearing me today? Amen. It's not necessarily important when you start. It's how you finish we got a lot of great starters in our world today, but we have some lousy finishers in anything. Are you following me? And so what the Lord is trying to get us to do and what Paul is trying to, trying to get us to understand is, look, they do it to win a crown that will not last, but we do it that will get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, he says, I do not run like someone running aimlessly, he said. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, he says, I strike a blow to my body and I make it, that I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others that I myself will not be disqualified. One translation says, I myself will not be a castaway. Away. Paul says, I don't want to get so busy even in church stuff. I don't want to get so busy doing the right thing that I miss the opportunity of the Lord myself. I don't want to get so busy in doing what God has called me to do that I miss my relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Can I tell you, church, you may come to church, you, you may have come to church your whole life. You may be involved in church your whole life, but if you're not careful, you miss the opportunity of having a relationship with God, and therefore, when you stand before Him, He's going to say, Depart from me. I never never knew you. 
Wow. I remember a place in Scripture where it says, Lord, what do you mean you don't remember us? We cast out devils in your name. We spoke in tongues. We've done all these other things. I never knew you. Paul says, look, in order to, to understand, in order to get this prize, he said, he said you've got to run like someone that's not just running aimlessly. You, you, you've got to fight like, not, not fight like a boxer that's beating the air. He said, I have to, I have to get this body under subjection daily. How many has to do that daily? Oh, yeah. Probably if it was truthful, every one of us. We have to bring this body daily under subjection. Lest when we preach to others, I become a castaway. And I don't follow the own instruction that I'm trying to help somebody else with. And Paul says, I want you to run in such a way to get the prize. And I can tell you as your pastor this morning, I want to encourage you this morning, church. I want you to run in such a way that you will get the prize. I want you to run in such a way that you will get the prize. Run in such a way. Have your family to run in such a way that you will get the prize. Amen. Go into strict training. Run with purpose. Don't shadow box. Train to hit the enemy. And when you swing and hit the enemy, hit him hard. Don't just patty cake with him. Hit him hard. Amen. Because I can promise you this. When the enemy comes at you, he ain't going to patty cake with you. Amen. So hit him hard. Hallelujah. Everyone who competes in the games need to do that. Remember, you, you know, you, you've read some things, and many of you that are sports fans, you've, you've read all kind of articles concerning these super successful athletes, and one thing that they all had in common, they got, that you'll always read on almost every one of them, whether it's basketball or football or whatever, they're always going to show up first, and they're going to be the last one to leave. They're always going to show up first. Matter of fact, they said of Michael Jordan, he spent hours in the gym shooting hoops. Nobody else, nobody was there applauding him. Nobody there was just giving him accolades. Nobody was there saying anything. That didn't, that didn't matter to him at that point. All he was wanting to do was be the best it, that he could. Be the best in the world. He'd just shoot. He'd constantly just shoot. He'd constantly just shoot. Now hold on to your seat just a little bit. We claim to be God's people. I'm not getting on to anybody. I want you to hear me today. We're living in the last days, and I want you to be ready. I want you to go into strict training. That's what the Lord is calling us to do. But we claim to be God's people, but yet we don't show up when God wants us to show up. We don't do the things that God is calling us to do. We sort of sit back and let, let somebody else, well, if they'll do that, then I don't have to get involved sometimes. That's not what God is calling you. That's not strict training. You don't have to have me to pat my to 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 put the put my hand on your back. I mean, it's okay. It's encouraging. We all need that. But look, when you're serving the Lord, you serve the Lord to serve the Lord. Give Him honor. Give Him praise. Amen. Give Him glory. Give Him praise and and, and worshiping Him. And the Bible and, and and we know that these guys they'll 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 be the first one the first one in the gym. They'll be the first one on the field. They'll 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 catch the ball. They'll throw the ball. If you're a golfer, I mean, you take. Hundreds and thousands of swings, swinging and hitting that ball. I mean, it doesn't matter. You just, you just practice, practice. And so success doesn't come easily. It doesn't just happen. It takes discipline. It takes work. Success usually goes to the one who is best prepared. And when you think about that in the spiritual realm as well, matter of fact, you, you, you've heard me say this before, but John Wesley, they said rose every morning at 4 o'clock to read the Word. He rose every morning at 4 o'clock to pray. Evangelist D.L. Moody said we ought, to, we ought to seek the face of God every morning before we see the face of man. 
Hallelujah. What a statement. And if you, have, if you have so much business today to attend to that you don't have no time to pray, then I'm going to tell you, you're just too busy. You're too busy. You've got a lot of business. And I can tell you this, that you've got too much business that God ever intended for you to have. Why is that, Pastor? Because you were created to what? To worship. You were created to worship Him. You were created to worship Him. Can you imagine... As the musicians come, can you imagine being one of those football players this afternoon, whether you're the Seahawks or the Patriots, can you imagine being one of these guys and you missed a practice? And you was on the main team, 18. But sometimes we Christians that's in strict training, we don't think nothing about missing church. We miss way too much sometimes, and we certainly can't find time to make it to a midweek service. These football players, they do it to win an earthly crown. They do it to win a Super Bowl title. We do it for an eternal crown that will never fade away. Pastor, I really wish you wouldn't make me feel bad this morning. I'm not trying to make you feel bad. I'm just trying to bring us back into some strict training here. I'm trying to get us back to where we need to be. I'm trying to get us back to where we need to seek the face of God. As D.L. Moody says, we need to seek Him. We We need to see His face before we see man's face. Amen. I promise you when we do that, things will change. But these guys, they, they, we, we, we need to do better at disciplining ourselves and spiritual things if we want to receive the prize. Paul wrote to Timothy one day in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 3. The Bible says, join with me in suffering, Timothy. I want you to join with me. Join with me like a good soldier of Christ Jesus. I thought about that statement a lot. Paul here says, Timothy, I want you to, I want you to come join with me. I mean, who wants to join that team? Join with me. And I think about it before we say, yeah. Paul is suffering. Paul is going through some stuff, some heavy stuff. He's been beat. Been, been shipwrecked. All kind of things been going on with this guy. He writes, oh, Timothy. Young Timothy. Hey, buddy. Pal. Join with me in this suffering. Now, Timothy knows a little bit of stuff he's going through. And I'm thinking... Really? You want me to come and and join with you? Paul says, hey, Timothy, join with me like a good soldier in Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled. Now, I want you all to think about this, this statement here. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs. What does that mean, Pastor? If you're involved in service... You ain't got time for the, for the unnecessary things of the world. Now, some of y'all need to catch that right there. Because many times that's where we lose it. Many times that's where we find ourselves failing and falling. Because we don't involve ourselves in the, in the, in the, in the soldier aspect of, the, of this Christian walk that we do. We don't involve ourselves. But Paul here says, look, Timothy, I want you to understand, even you, if you ain't careful, you'll, you'll get sidetracked. And I don't want you to do that. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, he says, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hardworking farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, he says, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. He'll give you insight. These two football teams be playing later on. They have some things in common. They're going to be be fighting with the other one. 
But they got some things in common. What is that, Pastor? They both had to be committed to success. I want to win. I want to win. Preparation for the game is fundamental to both teams. They had to prepare. They had to be disciplined in their craft, disciplined in in their game. They have to be the best of the best in their game. One of these teams, Brother Reigns, is going to come with the right mindset. And I promise you, that team that comes with the right mindset is going to walk away victorious. They will. Every time. I don't care who it is. If they get their right game face and their game mind on, they'll walk away. They'll walk away as victors. They've got to be disciplined. So we can learn a few things from this. As Christians, we're taught to prepare. He wants us to prepare. He told us to be ready for His return at any time. At any time. We're instructed to be disciplined. Man, I hope this is hitting home to you today. We're instructed, young people, to be disciplined. We're instructed, mom and dad, for us to be disciplined in our faith. We're expected, grandma and grandpa, to be disciplined. We're expected, child of God, to be disciplined in our walk. We are to control our passions. We're to control our desires. We're to resist temptation and stand even under the trial. Even under the trial. And if we do that, if we prepare, if we're disciplined, then I promise you we will succeed. We will accomplish our goal of an eternal destiny in glory with the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Are you ready? Are you ready? Are you ready? Now, sure, I want you to enjoy the game this afternoon. I want you to come out and we'll have some great times of fellowship. I love it when church folk get together, they start picking at one another. You know, I... I enjoy that. So now you've got to be careful about that so it don't make somebody mad, of course. But you know, I enjoy us church folk just picking at one another about whoever makes a good goal or, or, a foot, or a touchdown, all this kind of stuff. It's okay to enjoy those things. It's okay to enjoy the sports. But I, don't, I, don't, I, want you to, I want you to watch something, though. I want you to be praying this next week that the Holy Spirit can show you things to show you, teach you some things concerning your spiritual walk. We need a new commitment to discipline. We need a new commitment to our preparation. If we do so, the celebration that you and I can have will be so much sweeter. The celebration that we have will be so much better. Keep your eyes fixed on the goal. At halftime tonight, I'm going to be speaking on crossing the line. Just to give you a little bit of what I'm going to be talking about. Brother David, during this game tonight, there will be a lot of lines that will be crossed. That'd be maybe the five-yard line or the ten-yard line or the fifty-yard line, you know those kind of things. But I can promise you, those two teams, whoever has is on the offensive, and they have the goal. They have one line that they're looking for. That's the touchdown line. That's the zone where they're getting they're getting across. They can get those 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 points. That's the line they're they're working. They're, I mean they're they're striving and they're pushing. They're striving. You and I today, as God's people, we'll have a lot of lines we have to cross. A lot of hurdles that we have to go through. A lot of problems that we'll have to deal with. A lot of joys, a lot of celebrations that we'll have to contend with. But the only thing that our eyes need to be on is crossing that line when we get to glory. That's our prize. That's our prize. How are we going to get there, Pastor? How are we going to get there? By serving Him. By giving ourselves to Him. By being obedient to His call. Get me out of the way. Get my will out of the way. There's a little song that they were singing earlier. Get get me out of the way. Get my will. Let it be broken, Lord. 
And Lord, if you have to trade the sunshine for rain, then so be it. Lord, if you have to trade the comfort for pain, then so be it. Let me keep my eyes upon you. Isn't it sad that sometimes with God's people that it takes tragedies in our life to bring us back to God? Isn't that sad? When God is there all the time, in the good times and the bad times, He's there. We can, we can call on Him. He's there. He's there. Are you ready?